Hey everybody, welcome back here. Another episode of In the Zone. I'm Giancarlo Lino and joined and as always here, Chris Martelli and Nick Martelli. And we got to start off with Survivor Series. We'll get into the matches match by match. But Chris, this one's been brewing for a long time. 2014, we all know what happened there. CM Punk leaves WWE, doesn't have the nicest things to say. Not at all. Uh, but <laughs> he did a podcast and uh, went downhill from there, goes to AEW, and uh, we don't have to repeat what happened there. Uh, poor Jungle Boy and Tony Khan fearing for his life, but uh, he came back. And I like how they did it because they zoomed out, made it look like the show was over. I got a little pissed off for a little bit, and <laughs> CM Punk's music hits, crowd goes absolutely nuts. What's your reaction when CM Punk is back? They did the good old, remember Extreme Rules last year. Yeah. Uh, it looked like the night was ending, and then all of a sudden the lights went out, and that was The Fiend, Bray Wyatt making his un- just outstanding return. Just like you, I had the same kind of reaction. Like, oh, they're actually ending the show with a no CM Punk. And then his his freaking music hits. And I just felt like I was like 15 again. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's actually back. Uh, Collab actually said something really funny to me. He said, you know, Chris, the last time we saw CM Punk wrestle, we were not even 19 yet. And we wow. just started university. So that, when I put that into perspective, Alino, that's actually a long ass time ago. So he's looking great. Uh, obviously looking a little more gray know with his beard with his hair but he just looks healthier like i remember when he came back in uh, with aew in 2021 he just kind of looked a little off and i told you on numerous podcasts with his performances in aew just he just felt a little slow i know at his age i don't expect him to do what he did in 2011 now i just think like this is gonna be a high of emotion for a long time i'd give this another two months fans are gonna be going ballistic buying all the cm punk merch they can he's already number one always already the most social networked return of all time i gotta ask you alino because i've always been a big cm punk guy like probably more than the average fan what did you think and i know what we saw on raw was basically i'm not gonna say it was cringy but the promo to me kind of felt a little rushed and forced with cm punk back do you see him being a face as he is right now or do you see him kind of dwindling down to that voice of the voiceless heel again i was happy to see him back um obviously the stuff in AEW, one of them had to go like somebody had to go or if they're not going to work together then it's like a circus you got one guy on one show then everyone on another show i don't know you can't run a business like that and him leaving going to wwe water under the bridge with a lot of those guys i think it's a positive it goes back into the main event i think he'll be a face for now after wrestlemania with uh, seth rollins and roman there's gonna be some programs there he could go into the heel direction i think they can easily insert him with a guy like dominic mysterio if you were to like join that judgment day or even form his own group there's so many guys in nxt that can come up and join a cm punk but i just think right now there's a lot of possibilities with him it's gonna be it's not like a one-year deal so he's not going there and it's like a one and done after mania okay i'll retire it's a lengthy time and the only thing that a lot of fans bring up it's like yeah hypocrite this whatever but 
Look at all the other past guys that have left and came back. Bret Hart, literally his brother. Yeah. It took a lot of mending of fences there because I was a lot more personal. He comes back. Ultimate Warrior, he was so close to like Vince McMahon and their whole family. Linda McMahon inducts him in the Hall of Famer. Everyone's thinking, what the fuck? Like, how close <laughs> was this guy to the family? He ends up coming back. The Rock, when he did that thing, that promo on Austin, when Austin like pretty much said he wasn't going to lose to Brock on Raw, Austin ends up coming back. Hogan comes back after trying to put Vince McMahon out of business. <laughs> it's no biggie. We'll bring him back. So, like, CM Punk, it's inevitable. Like, all these guys are going to come back if it makes sense. So, I think it shows uh, the adult workplace that uh, WWE uh, is That's offering. another shot right there. But it, it, you're, you know what? You are right because... Uh, apparently after what happened with CM Punk with Jungle Boy with Tony Khan and how that all kind of the falling out was just the worst it could possibly have been I, I don't remember I think the last time I heard a story this bad was like the screw job with Brett and Sean and fighting backstage and they had to break it up and all this like Punk and Jungle Boy, apparently, it was really bad. And like you said, Tony Khan's like, I, I, I was scared of my life that night. Yeah, you shouldn't be in AEW if that's the case. So he comes and apparently, you know, his return, again, mixed reviews. A couple wrestlers were very frustrated. I guess we'll get into that a little later. But for the most part, you know, CM Punk, after he returned, he stayed in the building, took pictures. He went backstage. He was talking to guys like long-term friends like Kofi Kingston, Bailey, really, really gave him warm wishes. And he just looks a little bit more respectful respectful, appropriate, mature. I think this is a different CM Punk. I know Nick has even said on numerous times, Punk just seems like a dick. <laughs> and you know what? He does come off as one. But if there's one thing that I think he's going to learn with this run is he's got to be humble. He's got to be uh, respectful. And I think he'll be just fine. I don't see why he can't main event night one of Mania this year. Yeah, I think right now that should be like WWE's goal how they get there, though, this is another thing that came up uh, just from his promo on Raw. Like Seth Rollins, obviously, that seems to be the program. For sure. Do you have Punk win the Rumble, or do you think that would be like a little bit forced at that point? I think it's... I don't think anything is forced with the Rumble just based off of history, man. You look at when Batista won it, he had no business winning that. Uh, I think... The last time, like even when John Cena won it in 2013, it's kind of like you really don't have any business. It may seem forced because you look at the crop of talent and there's not a lot of, just not a lot of guys that I believe can win the Royal Rumble right now. Like two years ago, there were like at least eight. So right now I'd say maybe not even Drew McIntyre because where the hell is his direction? Yeah, you're a heel now, but not a lot of potential with him in terms of holding a title. I think it's Punk. I think it's Rhodes. I think Sami Zayn is intriguing just based off of the, just the absolute momentum he's on. I can't see LA Knight winning it because the momentum's kind of died. But I, if I had to make a prediction right now, I think he might be the guy to win it. I like it. We'll have to see how this all plays out. Obviously, The Rock has been another guy that's floating around, and they might do it like a hopefully Cody. I don't want to see a back to back, but maybe they'll do that. Him winning the Rumble again. Uh, a lot of interesting things there, but we'll go on to Survivor Series. They kicked off with a War Games match, and these women delivered. Uh, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Shotzi getting the win there over the. Heel group, uh, were you surprised that Bailey like didn't turn on her yet? Because I was thinking like when she took that pin, there goes the crutch there. Dakota's going to hit her or something and they're going to turn. Yeah, for me, I thought this match was really, really well done. And I agree with you. I think when Bailey took the pin, 
that just set up the storyline we mentioned last week saying, okay, now this is where they all turn on her and it did not happen. I thought this match really highlighted how athletic Charlotte Flair is. She's one of the more dominant women ever in all the WWE history. Shardy a 14 time. I could go on and go on. Bianca Belair had a lot of strength spots as we always see with her. I thought the MVP of the match, obviously, I think was Io Sky. She's been in it the most. She's been in the most war games. That that garbage can spot jumping off the top oh, was man, just insane. I, I've never seen anything like that. But in terms of, I guess I'll say, underwhelming performances in this match, I just got to say Asuka didn't really do too much for me. Um, but yeah, to me, no surprise that the faces won. Just look at the team. Like You have the big three, Lynch, Flair, and Belair. They're not losing that. I agree, and brings on to this next one, which I thought was in a horrible situation. It has to follow a War Games match, but Gunther and The Miz, they had me there. I thought The Miz was going to yeah, take did. it. He's going to steal it. I like how they kept on the, the heel antics with the low blow, and I actually thought he was going to get it done, but uh, Gunther comes out, wins it, and then on Raw, I guess we find out that The Miz, uh, they're still not done with this. Uh, are you happy that they're going to continue this past Survivor Series? I think, I think I am happy. I think if there's anybody that's even a casual fan out there like Nick who knows The Miz, I just think, you know, he's he could bring so much to the product. And Gunther, I love the guy, superstar of the year. Um, but The Miz, the Chicago fans really wanted to see him win. Uh, he was really getting cheered when he did the low blow, the near fall. Everybody was a little upset. I heard the boos when he kicked out of that. And then um, I just like the storytelling so far. Uh, Gunther saying that now on Raw, like, yeah, you kind of do belong in my field, but still not really. I'm still the man. I think now that we saw a little bit of a, a, a cheat to win approach by The Miz, I wouldn't be surprised come Royal Rumble. Miz might win the Intercontinental title through nefarious means, and that might just mean that Gunther, sooner rather than later, man, he might be main eventing pay-per-views consistently. I like, and especially Gunther, just that dominant force he is. He oh, looks man. like a guy that just comes in, he's no nonsense, no sports entertainment bullshit, just wants to go in and beat the crap out of people. So that seems like a guy Vince McMahon loves, and uh, brings us to this next one. I would have loved to seen Carlito in this match, but... Uh, both guys did a good job. Santos Escobar, I think it was predictable. Like, what'd you think of uh, what happened there? Oh, predictable, no doubt. But Dragon Lee, I got to give the guy credit, came in and had a really good... I don't know if this was his main event, like main roster pay-per-view debut. I think it was. And he, he fit in perfectly. I like the high spots. The match actually went on a little longer than I thought. Yeah. I thought it would be like no more than three minutes. And, you know, Escobar, he kind of won in underwhelming fashion. Like you saw like a lot of hot back and forth offensive moves. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like, okay, that dominant you know, segment. And then that was it. I think this is a big year for Escobar, man. I think 2024 is going to be a year where you probably see him feud with a couple top tier baby faces to build his heel run. And then eventually I wouldn't be surprised if he wins a U.S. title or an intercontinental title down the line. I mean, it won't be to Logan Paul because the guy's never there. But, you know, once a baby face beats him, whether it's a like ricochet, AJ Styles, whoever, I think Escobar could maybe feud with a guy like him. Looks like a good one too, especially now that he's uh, back to full force heel, wishing oh, yeah. Ray that the thing didn't work and he wouldn't <laughs> walk again. What a sick fuck. But <laughs> let's go on to Rhea Ripley and Zoe Stark. This one was actually, I wasn't expecting it to go long. I thought, I said last week it would be a squash. You're telling me. And uh, looks like Zoe Stark, they're trying to build her as this uh, 
up and comer. Like it's a kind of different than when she was with Trish. I think they're going in another direction, but it's like they're starting from scratch with her. What'd you think of the way they presented her in this match? I thought this match was fine. I just thought there were a couple botches that could have been, you know, th that couldn't have happened, but I think they're rushing with her. I think in this spot, you could have a Shayna Baszler. She's been teased so many times and they just don't pull the trigger. I don't know if that's Triple H. I don't know if that's uh, just maybe her in-ring is not as polished as it should be at this point, but that's never been her her strength is her, you know, in-ring ability. It's her character. It's her aura. You know, she came from MMA. I think she'd be a good opponent for a girl like Rhea Ripley right now, who's just shredding the women's division. And there's really nobody that can really beat Rhea Ripley for me right now. I told you, I think the best case is probably Cargill, Becky Lynch, or Bianca Belair at Mania. Other than that, no one else to me is even close to taking it from her. So right now, that was easily, to me, the most predictable on the card. Surprise. She's lucky she didn't get an RKO either that night or when she decided <laughs> it was a good idea to go interrupt Randy. Daddy's back. <laughs> Speaking of uh, our boy Randy, coming in there, they tease it again. They, the whole time, oh, is Randy not going to show up? And getting fans in the arena thinking CM Punk's going to just walk in because Randy didn't answer the phone and out comes randy he just probably was in catering doing something and private jet when <laughs> it comes out there and uh crowd goes nuts do you think that they did a good job there just keeping fans thinking that cm punk would have been in the match i i thought it was perfectly well done. it was just perfect because while they were waiting and you could tell during the match they were having cm punk chance but they would then drag them down as again another entrant like a Jey Uso so everyone started yelling yeet and then you had Sami Zayn come in and everyone cheered that so when there was nobody coming out that was when you really heard the CM Punk chants but so what they did I think to kind of navigate towards not having those chants dominate the match was again let's have Rhea come out let's do the the you know the money in the let's do the cash in and then bam Randy's entrance and it was perfectly timed guy comes out takes out all four of them in, in a matter of seconds and the, my favorite part of the match Alino other than the massive RKO to JD McDonough was when they all did a nice tribute to him when they all did the DDTs in the yeah. middle I just thought you know he's been there for 20 years now he still has he says another 10 to go so I mean Randy to me might be the best longevity talent probably ever man there's not a lot of like obviously there's Ric Flair obviously Shawn Michaels had like two different primes if he didn't have back surgery probably the greatest of all time but what Randy did in that match what how he looks I guess I'll have Nick kind of add to that because he wanted to talk about it this match to me hit a home run all the guys in the match were amazing I thought though again it revolved around Jey Uso he was amazing in the match they teased it again with Randy looking to RKOJ <laughs> which I thought that. was great but um the only guy that disappointed me in this match, hate to say it, was Damian Priest. Uh, he got he, like he was the one that ate the pinfall. He was the guy that was supposed to be the, you know, the main member, the the leader of the Judgment Day. And to me, he was basically the the worst link in the match. So, do you think that kind of leads to a potential betrayal on Damian just based off this Survivor Series performance? I think they're gonna let that loom for uh, WrestleMania season and say, okay, if you're really thinking about being that guy can't be losing like this. I think they're going to keep the tag titles on them for a little bit, but he still has that briefcase. And, uh, you know, WrestleMania, I don't think that night one's going to have a happy ending as uh, everybody's thinking. So oh boy, I'd keep an eye on Damian Priest in the coming months. Nick, what'd you think about Orton's return? Cause I know you're, you've been watching Orton since we were, we were <laughs> seven, eight years old. 
Oh, I mean, Rand- Randy didn't look like Randy. Randy looked like he was like, like Goldberg. Like he he looked huge. Like I I don't know what he's on, what he's eating, his workout. But like he he looks like he's on all. He's like he's not on steroids, but he's like on trend. He's probably on testosterone replacement. He's probably doing like insane calisthenics with some weights. Eating probably like four or five steaks a day. Like. He's huge. Like no one has ever seen Randy this big. Like, and to be at his age and for as big as he is, like we're so used to seeing him lean and cut and being able to move. And the fact that he's so much larger now, it's kind of terrifying because with him being so athletic and having the longevity, if he's able to continue to perform to that standard at his age, it's going to be something, something to see. And it's going to be something people will slowly creep back and start to maybe enjoy watching and reminisce about like vintage and old school wrestling. I think that's the the one thing that they kind of got to get it back to. I'm, you know, Chris knows that I've been saying that forever because, you know, there was that whole baby, baby period. And now it's kind of like everyone's grown the fuck up. And I think they need to get back to more like the, the brutal wrestling, like the, the, you know, like the fact that they had like these two war games matches seems like it's a sign of things to come to kind of bring back some more brutality. Nothing, nothing crazy. Like, you know, what mankind getting thrown off the cell or, you know, have having, having Vince McMahon's limo blow up, but like, you know, bringing back the odd street match, you know, the all no rules, like, you know, and even maybe getting it a little bit more like X rated with the content and with like, you know, all guys on them, let them fucking swear on them. Like not for nothing. They have their own network. They should be able to let shit fly if they really wanted to. So I think, I think that's the direction they need to go. Like, it seems like they're having success, but in order to take it to the next level, I think they gotta, they gotta double down with, with this, like, you know, they bring back CM Punk, who's a guy that the only way I see it working with him is if they allow him to have his 20, 30 minutes when he's pissed off on the mic, let him say whatever the fuck he wants, get people riled up. Um, I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in a wrestle, but like let those guys that fly off the handle on the mic, piss people off, say the wrong things at the wrong time, let it happen. And I think it'll make for a greater product in the long run. Yeah, I think uh, another guy, I didn't mention this before, but another guy they remember came back last year better than the best shape I've ever seen was Brock Lesnar. Twenty, Remember 2021, the guy comes back. It's like, you got a freaking six pack? What the f- what's wrong with you, man? Like you, you don't age at all. So I don't blame, I mean, the that, that's what separates the greats, the legends to just the, the hot commodity. Like I love, like look at, for example, I could say Goldberg because, again, the guy was amazing in his prime, but wasn't really unbelievable for 25-plus years. You look at Randy Orton. Like, man, 2009, he was skin Like, he was a lot skinnier, but he had that psychotic character. Dude, that was freaking 14 years ago, and he's still here. He's still shredded. He's still massive. That passionate promo that he put out on Monday, I have never... I don't think I've heard him talk that much in 12 years. So if we can get this Randy Orton back where he talks a lot more, red in the face, veins out, like that would just be the cream of the crop. And I agree with Nick, man. You bring CM Punk back. Can you kind of go to a little more of an edgier product? Because a guy like Punk will thrive in that. But 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 the thing is like, you know, not for nothing. I It's been a long time since he's probably been in peak physical like ring shape in terms of like if you look at where 
the product is from the few bits that I sit down and watch for maybe 10, 15 minutes. If it's a good match or, you know, if it's corny, I'm not fucking watching. Um, but is he going to be able, like, do you guys think he's going to be able to hang? Because some guys have gotten so athletic, so much faster. And he has a history of, if you're not going to want to work with him, he's going to be a bit of a prick when it comes to execution. Who's CM Punk? Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, is, is this going to be more of CM Punk running his mouth and having the odd spot? Or is this going to be CM Punk having more spots than him running his mouth? It could be a mixture, I think. Like... I think he needs a right opponent. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're going to put him in there with someone who's styles to go off and do all these crazy moves that he's going to have to put himself in position. I think they're going to probably work a match where they exploit all his strengths and hide some of the weaknesses that come up with like aging and just a wear and tear at this point. Like, yeah, I don't think he's been consistently wrestling. Like when he was in AEW, he got injured within like the first seven months. Then he comes back, gets into a fight, and then he gets fired. So we haven't really seen him have a a consistent full-on year, no injuries, no banged-up bruises. Like That's why I think this WWE run, with the performance center they have, that they can take advantage of, doctors and everything, keep them on track. So I think this is going to be interesting to look out on. Yeah, man, I agree. I think uh, just to end on the wrestling segment is you you bring up a good point where do you think there's superstars that – can make him shine brighter. And again, I think they immediately got it right. I think Seth Rollins is your guy where Rollins could turn anybody into gold. And we've seen it time and time again. His character work over the years at times corny, but amazing when he's really, you know, when he's dancing and he's doing that stupid laugh and he's, you know, the, the his entrance theme is probably the most over thing right now in the company. People are chanting, like it's a soccer game for two minutes when he's standing in the ring. Another guy you guys might not agree, but I think Punk and The Miz, like simplicity with these guys is what will make the match unreal. Yes, they could go on the mic for 20 minutes. They could verbally abuse the crap out of each other. It won't be a high-flying segment in the ring. It won't be a five-star match, but they're both going to be safe. They're both going to be reliable workers, and they're both, what, 20-plus year veterans. So... I'm not saying CM Punk versus The Miz is good for business, but I wouldn't be opposed to that just based on the injury history from Punk. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to to that to that point, yeah, you're you're not wrong. But the the one thing that those two guys both have in common for their longevity in the business is that they're still polarizing. Like it doesn't oh, ma- sure. it doesn't matter where they are if they're putting people over, if they're getting their shot again, or if they're just getting stomped, or they're doing the stomping like it's still polarizing when the miss cuts a, a 15 or a 10 minute promo you're captivated when cm punk goes on a mic bomb you're captivated so it's like that could work it'll be old school wrestling style but like you said they'll be able to work together but moving on we're going to transition to unfortunately although the leafs won in a very wacky way last night they are unfortunately down to another defenseman that they lost they lost old man mark mark giordano love him but you know Another injury, we just got Timmins back and we lose a D. And another thing we're going to talk about with the Leafs is the power play concerns. So we're going to start off with um, Mark Giordano's injury, and then we're going to transfer over to the PP, okay? So Chris, if you want to take it away or Alino, take a stab at it, go on go on right ahead, boys. Uh, this is uh, 
This is a rough one. Leafs can't have nice things, I guess, because nope. Where's Jake Gardner? Yeah, like every you time sure there's a guy. I'm, I'm really not. No, <laughs> every like, time there's a guy that comes up fuck. and has like some solid game. No, an injury. Just what the fuck? Like it's brutal. <laughs> what it's do they do now? Brutal. Like they're in cap hell. It seems like it's it's sad because I was literally telling my cousin Steve. I saw him last Saturday, uh, Christmas gathering, a little early, but. You know, it is what it is. He said, Mark Giordano has impressed him. And I said, you know what? I agree with you. We went to the Ottawa game. He was a minus four that game. So I didn't really have a lot of nice things to say about Mark to open the year. But this is another D that logs about 17 minutes. Should probably be logging 12 because he's 40. But here we are. Gets hurt last night. He's confirmed to not play tomorrow night against Seattle. Who the hell are you bringing up? But we can't have Lagason and Benoit as our fifth and sixth D. Like, it's not good enough. I love Matthews. I love Willie. I love Marner when they're going. Right now, they're not going. But this team scares the shit out of me, man. We're only in the middle of the pack. We haven't been dominant at all. It's freaking concerning. But, but before you jump in, Alino, just to reiterate for the people that might not be aware of who the current healthy defensemen are in the Toronto Maple Leafs roster. We got Morgan Riley. We got TJ Brody. We got Jake McCabe. We got Connor Timmins. We got Lagasin and we got Benoit. Not for nothing, you know, minus Morgan Riley. And I mean, TJ Brody's a little bit past it now, but you could be looking at a stacked AHL team with Morgan Riley coming back from like an injury on a fitness assignment more than a NHL roster. That's a little concerning, but I mean, Fuck, it's going to have to get the job done right now because we're in cap hell. So I'm going to let you say how you feel, and then we'll continue on with that. I think this team needs a priest. Go down <laughs> to the Scotiabank <laughs> Arena. Walk around the hallways. Padre Filio. <laughs> bring the Bible. Oh, bring God. some holy water and put it on that fucking dressing room. Because every year we have somebody go down. Marner last night. Oh, gets shit. His chin <laughs> Ripped open Crimson chin (laughs) This morning he was the crimson chin He came in with the cage I'm like this poor guy And I'm like you know what He's actually blocking shots still (laughs) Not really smart thing to do Matthews can't find a scoring touch After I don't know Starting off so I don't know what the hell's happened with him And William Nylander He's doing the Risky thing of riding the TTC And he's getting paid (laughs) for it So this is rough. I don't know what else they can do at this point. It, it, it's it's honestly like it's wild. I, I, I do think though like, you know, we got to get them all corny or something, get some red lace and put it in their fucking equipment because it's getting scary now. How many guys are getting hurt? I mean, it's the NHL. Guys get hurt night in, night out. Some guys aren't healthy for the majority of the year and they still play. But man, it, it, it's wild. And, and the crazy thing too, it's like, you know, Lagason as of late has been actually playing some good hockey, he's logging been a, a lot of minutes. He's been a blessing for yeah. us. He's been really good. And even even, you know, Timmins, hopefully he can get back to that preseason form that we all saw. I think at that point we'll be okay. Even when we were at that Ottawa game, however many weeks ago it was, you know, Benoit didn't look horrible, but you know, he looked like he can maybe play, you know, you can put him in ten minutes, eight minutes, and he can he can hang. He's not going to be efficient, but he can hang. And, you know, yeah, going back to the Leafs power play concerns, 
I don't even know at this point. I've never been a fan of this power play from the breakout to even building up in the other team's end. It just looks stagnant, boring, predictable. And, you know, I don't know what the guys need to get going at this point. You know, Keith, we saw last night, if whoever watched the game, or even if you saw on Instagram or Twitter today, he was ripping into guys on the bench for a change. It was nice to see. He singled out Bertuzzi a couple times, Matthews, like he was getting in their face, getting in their ears, trying to get his message across. And He's not wrong, man. Like, at what point, like, okay, in the NHL, everyone knows it's easier to fire the coach than to trade somebody. But if you fire a guy like Sheldon Keith, who at this rate, he's going to be on pace to be the most successful coach in Leafs history in terms of winning percentage, you can't just fire a guy like that because the guys aren't fucking performing. And, you know, I don't know if it's the the lack of wanting to shoot the puck on the power play or they're not getting the looks they like. I think at that point, you just got to muck it up and try to get it to the net and figure it out. But Man, Mitch Marner last night blocking like he wasn't trying to block that shot. That shot hit him. Yeah. <laughs> but holy shit. I think the 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 ironic thing with Mitch is that when he put that cage on and you know, he still looks so young, it looked like he was still, you know, the same size as he was when he was playing minor hockey. So it was kind of funny, but hopefully they can snap out of it because it's a long season and hopefully they can find the rhythm. I don't think though the right thing was splitting up that Nylander line because last night, um, that Tavares and Bertuzzi line with Marner. T- Tavares and Bertuzzi look rather slow to begin with when they got Nylander, but Last night, Mitch was trying to get going and he couldn't. And they just looked like they just looked bad on the ice. So I, I don't think he should split them. I think he's got to go back to that line and hopefully they can find some mojo. What do you guys think? I just think uh, the main narrative that that's all I kept hearing last night was the Leafs only have five regulation wins. The Leafs only have five regulation wins. It's like, man, that's that's bad. We we're 20 games in now. The Sharks have five regulation wins what's going on? I mean, we have a plus two goal differential. Yeah, but that's not good. No, but when you, when you look at the way the Leafs play games though, and especially this era of Leafs team, the first period is a write-off because half of the period they're feeling out the other team and getting, getting their legs going. And then by the second period, they finally wake up if we're lucky and we're not down by three or four. And then it's like in the third period, we're holding on to our bootstraps, hoping that we tie and go to overtime or shootout because they're not showing up for the full 60 it just shows we got lucky on the shootout last night yeah we should yeah, like like if it, like it's brutal i, I got as well matthews has one goal in the last seven that's not good enough i mean i i'd like to think we're, we're pretty light on matthews we're a little more harsh on marner i think but when matthews has these slumps like this it's like man you're you're getting paid 13 million next year in two years you better not be doing this Barner doesn't have a goal in nine games three assists it's bad i mean i get it you know you're you're on the penalty kill you're averaging probably top five and forward minutes per night but man you gotta be you gotta be magical with the puck that's the first word i think of with Marner when he had when he's going he's magical he'll get you 95 points last year his goals was he had an uptick in goals last year i thought his shot was better his confidence was up but man when Matthews and Marner are looking like they are right now. I don't know how many regulation wins this team can get this year. And yeah, we're probably a 43-44 win team, playoff team, no doubt. But you just look at just the way they've been playing. And, and you know, obviously when Matthews and Marner slump, it makes Nylander's spotlight just shine so much brighter. But even Willie, the last four games, it's like, ah, you're doing okay, but you're not you're not creating much. We are the best when we create chances. Look at Maddie Nyes, look at Max Domi, look at all these guys. When we're creating chances, they're money. They're great secondary scorers. 
when those stars aren't doing anything, you think Maddie Nyes and Max Domi are going to do a lot? No offense to them. No, they can't carry a team yet. Maddie Nyes may be in four years, sure, but right now, no. So again, I don't know if you blame the goaltending. I don't know if you blame the defensive structure of the team. Oh, Chris, that's why we don't have five uh, more than five regulation wins. Look at our fucking D. They're fucking Timmins, Laguson, Benoit. That's not good enough. I get that. But when you have a $45 million power play and you have Matthews and Marner slumping more than I can ever remember in November, shit's starting to feel, I feel a little bit more pressure than I have in a while. Here, here, here's a question. Um, sorry to jump in. You know, I know oh, you were no going to chime in on that, but I just thought of this. And although I said literally like three minutes ago, whatever it was, that you shouldn't have split the Willie line and, you know, Tavares should be playing with Nylander and Bertuzzi just because, what, two weeks ago, not even last week, they're probably one of the best lines in hockey in terms of efficiency and the way they were playing. Um, but the thing that I'm wondering is that with Matthews being so dry, so dry, like it's it's either he's not hitting a barn, the side of a barn, shots are getting blocked, he's not having the right lanes or the right looks, or he's just not getting the puck in the right moments or time. At what point, I know he plays center, but at what point do you say, okay, Johnny T, we're going to give you four shifts. You're playing up top. Matthew's going on the wing. Marner's going to be on the other wing. You're in the middle. And I hate it because it didn't fucking work last year when they tried this. But at this point, when he's when guys are going through slumps that hard and the schedule and teams are only going to start playing better because everyone's finally getting the cohesion. Guys are healthier now if they are coming back from injury. At this point, what do we got to lose? Because at this rate, we're going to struggle to make the playoffs, which is ridiculous. Oh, like, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit with who the hell we're going to be talking about. And yeah. They're in our division, so that's fucking nice. But man... I don't think Willie would like that. It's not fair to him because yeah, he, he's well, been you're our gonna best put, player. You're going to put him a second line yeah. center with Yarn Croak and like, no, no, like no, he's no, gonna, no, he's going to look at Keith, be like, okay, I'm a free agent. I'm walking. Like, yeah. I have or, all the fucking, I have all the cards here or, on my deck right here. Or, or what would be nice to actually see for a change is if Keith, he showed some balls last night. No, no, look, it, it's a sign of hopefully things to come for him because if the Leafs do fire him, it's not like they have a, a really bad assistant coach. They got a really good coach in Guy Boucher that they can make the head coach. <laughs> the Bond villain. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, does maybe Keefe take a step and demote Matthews and Marner to the second line and you give Willie's line that first line priority? At, at this point, you got to try to get them going. What do you think, Alino? That's... I think that's a really risky one because if you're uh, Sheldon Keefe... But you got nothing to lose at this point. Do you not make the playoffs when they're not rolling? I I don't think... Try it. I think we're making the playoffs. You look at Buffalo and Ottawa, they're rough. Yeah. But hey, if we can't win games in the regular season and we're giving teams in our division points every night or every other night, it's going to be a lot harder than it looks, Chris. I know we got the weapons and shit, but like, what do you have to lose? Like, we got Seattle tomorrow, tonight... Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. so who we got after Seattle? Boston. Okay. <laughs> I would say, okay, I would say maybe experiment with, with making them second line in Seattle because Seattle, not for nothing. They're probably going to give us a hard time because oh, they're, they're going to give team. us a hard time. Well, they're a big team. They're not the greatest. They're, they're playing okay hockey. They're not the greatest team. They're just a big team. I would try it, see if it works. If it doesn't, you go back to status quo in Boston. I don't know. Yeah, you, that, you guys chime in. I just think when you're doing that, you have to Bertuzzi. send a message. Yeah, Bertuzzi's you got to send a there. message. It's going to be tough because Bertuzzi's there, and you have to prop him up. Unfortunately, and if you can't put him with Marner, 
who that's like last case, best case scenario. You can't really prop him up and he's not going to be so attractive when you're probably going to want to move him because I think they figured out probably wasn't the best signing for them. I think Domi and Marner on the second line with Tavares, I think they should try that. Maybe you can put Domi on the wing. Uh, Nyes, I'd like him with whoever. He really meshes well up and down. But At this rate, I'd give tough. fucking Gregor a chance to play with Nyes after oh, how he yeah, looked last night. Definitely. Like, Holy. That shot. Oh, I'm telling man. you, I'm telling you right now, man. Based off of what our defense looks like, we're, we're fucked. We you, are fucked. You have to trade Bertuzzi or Domi or Yarncroke or Robert. Like you have to. In the, I'm not saying in February. I'm saying like in now. the coming weeks, <laughs> you have to do it. Well, like, it it, su- it sucks like, that Tanev got hit with that puck in the face. Otherwise, we could have yeah. like at this rate, it would have been next week. Tanev could be a leaf. At this rate, but at this point, fuck. if you're Shanahan, if you're if you're Trey Living, you're you're sitting down with Bertuzzi and you're saying, you know what, man, it was a fun month and a half, two months, you know, playing for this team, but I just you're getting paid five mil. You're we doing need, nothing. We need a fucking D like, badly. And you know what? You still have some value. I know you still want to fucking be a Bruin. Why don't we, you know, try and get a Brandon Carlo? We can no, trade no. Bertuzzi and, and Robertson for Carlo. Don't don't send him back to Boston because then that'll be something that will haunt us for the rest of the season and probably into the future. If you're going to trade Bertuzzi, you try to send him to Calgary and yeah. try to pry Tan away. Have a rot in Calgary. <laughs> send him to Arizona. Hack him with his fucking stocking. Get the fuck out of here. Ask, ask him how. Uh, ask him how Hosa Pronger and Datsukar. Jeez. God. My and God. Seabrook. Oh, holy that's another shit. Speaking, speaking of some iconic guys that you just brought up, all Hall of Famers for the for the most part. We're gonna transition to another, probably the best American player of all time. He signed a deal yesterday, shocking the NHL world, and he's back. Patrick Kane is a Detroit. Red wing. Well, none of us got it right. Yeah, we were all no, we, we were fucking, <laughs> we were yeah. fucking way off. I mean, I was closest on the alphabetical list. I said Dallas, literally a fucking team off. <laughs> yeah, I might have been closest because Detroit, Toronto. I mean, you know, uh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> However, you want to look at it. Uh, I'll, you know what? I'll start by asking Nick because I know you, you should have seen this guy growing up. This guy loved Patrick Kane, NHL ten, NHL. What was it, 15, 16, the whole scandal? They oh, had yeah, to take him off, take him off, fucking there. bullshit. I wore, I wore 88 for Patrick Kane yeah, at like, one point. Like, like, this guy loved Patrick Kane. I was not I was surprised you didn't have Patrick Kane sheets on your bed. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, let's, let's quickly talk about him. You know, coming off of hip surgery, it's not easy. Ask Ed Jovanovsky. Ask Nicholas. Look at Nicholas Backstrom, man. Just not looking like the same Nicky Backstrom from 2010s. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this, Nick? I'll start with you. He's getting a prorated 2.75, which you look at all the UFAs that had about the same point projection and point total as Kane last year. They're all getting over $4 million. So, I know the injury plays a big part of it. Do you think the Red Wings made the smart move here? Do you think it makes sense? And I know we talk about our division a lot. Does this make Detroit a playoff team this season? It, it it definitely puts them in the conversation. The way they're playing hockey right now, they look like a okay. I'm not gonna say they're a bona fide playoff team, but <laughs> too soon for that. Too yeah. too soon, way too soon. Yeah. But if they can get going, he gets put into the mix when he's healthy enough and he hits he hits his stride. Then yeah, they're absolutely a bona fide playoff team. The money it makes perfect sense. Um, if there's one thing I will say that would help 
any organization, which I do think it helps. It helped in Tampa, and it probably definitely helps in Detroit, is when you have a GM like Steve Eiserman, one of the greatest guys to play the game, when it comes to contract negotiations, it's probably one of the like easiest things for any sort of pro to sit across the table from him and have him tell them or talk to them about their game and their value because he's probably it, like he didn't play in a salary cap era they didn't get paid nearly as much as they're getting paid today stevie y in his prime is probably making 15 million dollars in today's nhl he's definitely a top 10 top five highest paid yeah so no. and honestly at that rate one year two set two and three quarters of a mil i mean you can't go wrong even if he doesn't have a good year you're not losing out on that because you're not paying him Bertuzzi money. You're not paying him like Ryan Reeves money if they gave him like a three-year deal at that kind of... Like, it's a win-win because one, he gets to play with Debrinket, who he had great chemistry with. He gets to mentor some of these young players that are coming into their own. And if he performs, they're laughing. It's kind of like what happened last year with Daniel Sprong in um, Seattle, how he had like one of the best points per dollar on his contract, it could work out to maybe be the same thing. And I think it helps when you have a guy that's was a great captain, he won, and he also understands the mind of like star players and what it takes to be a great NHL player as your GM. Like, I think it, this is, this is Stevie Y putting the pieces together like he did in Tampa, in Detroit. They're not anywhere close to winning a cup, but it's in the infancy and you can see the steps that they're taking. I agree. I think it shows that they didn't really take too much of a risk. Like they're bringing him in two million and it's only a one year deal. So after this year, he can just take it and free agency, maybe resign in Detroit for the rest of his career or just explore other options. Hopefully he recovers well, but yeah. I think Detroit, they've always been a team that will have that nostalgia factor where they like the vets. And mm-hmm. I think I said it last week, Jonathan Taves, I wouldn't be surprised if they get him like a one-year, one million dollar deal. I mean, I would love that. I think, I think the beauty of this whole signing is he looks at a team that's been struggling for so many years, and he's giving them a chance. Detroit. I don't remember the last time. I mean, I think the last time they actually made the playoffs. I think it was on our CNGA days. It was. It it was. Yeah. It was like it was Nyquist, (laughs) Zetterberg, Datsuk. Like that team. I remember that year vividly, actually. They faced the Bruins in the first round. They got boat raced, but yep. that was the last time they made the playoffs, and that was like eight years ago. Didn't so. they have Jimmy Howard in net back then? That's oh, how long yeah. ago it was. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, and you, okay, so he, here's another crazy thing I just thought of. Dollars and cents wise, any other team that was going to sign Patrick Kane was probably going to pay him more. Like the Leafs probably wouldn't, knowing the Leafs, it would have been like, okay, we're going to pay you. It'll be a two-year contract, so that doesn't affect the cap so much this year or a three-year. It's like, yeah, we'll give you two years at four and a half. It would have been whatever Klingberg was making. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so his money LTIR, there you go. And, and, give and, it to and, you, and even Dallas. Dallas would have kicked the can down the road, give him like a two- or three-year deal with maybe a, or a two-year with a third-year option maybe. But, I, I mean, for player and for team, this is the perfect the perfect deal for a guy at his stage because, like you mentioned, Chris, when we, when we started the topic – most of the guys that have had this hip surgery haven't had the greatest success 
coming back from it. Guys have clearly have gotten healthy enough to get back on the ice, but no one's ever hit their stride the same as, as they once did. So hopefully he can be the anomaly and, you know, he can help take Detroit back to the promised land. But the only thing that will be scary is that if that is the case, just like in those early 2000s and those late 90s, any free agents that were available, it made it very easy to go to Detroit because you had a great shot of winning. And when they're winning and they're playing well, it's a great city to be a part of, especially when the Lions are playing good and everything else is going for them. It's this great might, for the city, yeah, th- for sure. This might put them in a in a good spot for the next few years, believe it or not. Eiserman effect there. Yeah. I just think, too, uh, I want to add something quickly with Patrick Kane. I'm just looking at the team structure there. And, I mean, you know, they, they've led a lot of really good players go over the years. I mean, you you know, like another example, getting a nice veteran, they got David Perron. They got, uh, they got Sherratt. They got, uh, what's like, uh, Andrew Kopp. Yep. Like JT Comfer is not the youngest lad anymore. Nope. Dylan Larkin to me, like what, like how are you if you're Dylan Larkin right now, man? Like the guy's Cloud had nine. a, he, he, he's had a phenomenal year. Grew up, a pretty, he probably grew up a huge Patrick Kane fan. He's only, I think, what, 25, 26 years old, Dylan Larkin. So the fact that you're getting, yeah, you're getting a 35-year-old Patrick Kane, but this is like a modification to your car. That's what Patrick Kane is. He's like the little bit of nitrous, like that, you know, that <laughs> the juice that you get in the car. Patrick Kane's like, yeah, you know what? To bring it, I'll make you get 35 goals to 43 goals. Larkin, you'll go from 70 points to maybe 82 points. So I think, that, like, again, his nickname is Showtime. Kane has been Showtime his whole career. Dabrinkit has been looked at and been labeled as the disgruntled player the last couple of years. So I think this is only a win-win if there's any GM, any GM that can get the most out of his teammates. It's a Stanley Cup winner, one of the most serious-looking guys ever, Stevie Y. So I got to ask you, Alino, I think I basically, we all kind of agreed here, but you think about the division, you think about the structure, you think about the success rate right now with Detroit. Does this deal actually make sense for Detroit? I think it does just because the presence of Patrick Kane now coming in. Like we heard stories of like Larkin where no one knew where he was going to go a couple years ago to bring at the disgruntled guy. So this just makes everybody's morale do a complete 180. And now everybody's happy to be a Detroit Red Wing. Nobody's looking to leave the team for now. Uh, Kane coming in, everything's positive. Or else he wouldn't have given them this kind of money. But I think a lot of guys now coming up from the AHL roster, they're all going to be happier now because knowing their structure in place, there's vets coming in rather than getting traded out. So if I'm a Detroit Red Wing player, this is uh, positive news and it shows that Stevie Y is going to be aggressive at uh, the deadline. Oh, 100%. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. Um, it, it works for the team. It works for them. If you're any of those young guys that grew up watching Patrick Kane play, you get to play with him now. Um, you're that more amped to get to the rink for practice. You're going to want to get there earlier. You don't want to shoot the shit with him. You're going to want to learn what it's like to be with him. I mean, Daniel Sprong, as soon as the deal went through, he's like, yeah, he can have 88. That, that's yeah, his that, number. That's that not, my, awesome. that's that not awesome. my number. I'll, I'll take my old number back. That's a sign of them accepting and being excited, right? So another thing I heard too, um, shortly after the signing, I think it was listening to... It might have been overdrive or it was Mike Johnson talking about it um, during the after the Leaf game or whatever it was. And they were talking about Detroit's success and how much they've changed from last year to this year and how they've said that this year 
they don't have kids on their team anymore. They're yeah, they are younger players, but now they have a team of NHL players. They have a well balanced team of guys that know what it's like to play in the NHL, and they know the ups and downs because some of them have had really bad years. Some of them had resurgence. Like Daniel Sprong came out of nowhere last year, and this year he's been playing well. David Perron scored his three hundredth goal what, a <laughs> yeah. couple nights ago. He so should it's like, like fine wine that guy. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's one of those things where they got the pieces going. I think depending on where they are, they're going to be aggressive at the deadline, like you said, Alino. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see where they're going to be. I mean, not to not to be a shit disturber, but at this point, what's going to depending on what happens with Corey Perry, and it's nothing that's that's going to have him never play in the NHL again. Jesus. Do you maybe take a flyer on him on a vet mint because his contract's going to get terminated? If you're Stevie Y, he's definitely not doing it. He's too much of a pro, and I I think he respects the league too much, especially just based on how negative it seems. It just seems like it's a black cloud. So I, if I'm Stevie Y, you maybe tap Perry on the shoulder, saying, "Yeah, you're a probably a I don't know now with this if he's a Hall of Famer, but like he's had a Hall of Fame type career. He'll give him a nice pat, but no, it's okay, man. We're not going <laughs> to sign you. Damn, if it, you're like, it's going to be interesting to see though. Like, I'm just thinking of like why. Like if Iserman was to go in that direction, you think it would be like a bad like the fans would take it in a negative way. Like I don't, I don't it? think so because I think okay. So like one, we got to figure out what we'll find out when we will find out whenever that time comes. If, if we it, do, well, whatever happened, if it was bad enough, if he's ever going to play again, one, and if it's one of those things where if it's not as serious as it is, and he will be able to play again. Then I think at this point, it goes back to Corey Perry kind of like when he got picked up by Montreal, he made the most of it. They went to the Stanley Cup final. They lost. Um, I think that's that. That's the kind of angle it would be. And if there's one guy that maybe that can bring him in as a GM, it might be Stevie. Why I'm not saying that's the case, but if you need a little bit more grit when you bring in a guy like Corey, uh, a guy like Patrick Kane, that's going to need a little bit more protection since he's a little more fragile. Maybe it makes sense. I'm not saying that's the case, but it's definitely an interesting idea. Corey Perry does not know how to win. <laughs> Three straight Stanley Cup finals and you lose every single one. If I'm Steve Eiserman, I'm looking at Perry. Nah, man, I'm sorry. It's like I can, gets I, I can, I can was, find a, was, I could find a Josh Anderson. I could find a Tom Wilson. I could find other guys that are. A lot better. They're a lot more money. You got to remember, Corey Perry on those three teams wasn't wasn't a key component, Chris. He was a fourth liner at best. Well, I, I'm telling you right now, if Corey <laughs> Perry never got into this problem, he's rotting in Chicago. No one is trading for a $4 million Corey Perry now. Nobody. Not one person. Maybe Columbus, because they're just, they're a fucking wreck. Like, I, I don't, like, we'll talk about other teams another day, but... Detroit specifically with Corey Perry, I'm saying hell no to that. Maybe maybe we'll send Bertuzzi back to Detroit and maybe we'll try to get a defenseman. Who, Justin Hall? <laughs> if, if I mean, well, oh, no, man. Dubas isn't our GM anymore, so Hall's not going to be coming back anytime <laughs> no, soon. You know what? How about that guy, uh, Eric Gustafson? I heard he's having a good year. I, I think the Leafs could really use a guy like him. Didn't they have him last year? Yeah, a, yeah just a healthy bro. scratch. No on the bench. <laughs> Fuck sakes. Man. He got to look good in his suits night in and night out. Yeah, taxi squad. The guy has more points than Sandine. I think he has more than Riley too this year. I bet I bet I bet it would be nice to have Sandine back. Oh, that was a yeah, that was a tough one. Sandine's laughing right now, looking at Lagesson, be like, Oh, you really miss me, don't you? <laughs> I mean it's something about the Leafs and Swedish defensemen we don't normally miss on. Like you look historically we don't miss. That's a guy we fucking miss right now. Fuck. Like it's good. Damn. And he didn't get hurt often either. 
But anyway, we can talk about this shit all night long. We, I think, hit some really awesome topics today. We hit a couple on the head. We had some hot takes. We had some misses. You know, we hit the crossbar, the post. We kicked out of some three counts that were ultimately twos. But we thank you guys for tuning in to In The Zone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks again. Peace.